Welcome to the Escape Collective Tour Dailies, everybody. I'm Kaylee Fretz. Uh, it, it was stage eight, right? Yep, stage eight. I think we got it wrong yesterday and said stage six a lot. <laughs> I think we did. It was stage seven, today stage eight. The problem is, on Monday it's a rest day, and so far the dates and the stages have been lining up numerically. So it should have been easy to track, but after the rest day, it's but all going to get messed up. We're going to get it wrong a lot. So yeah. uh, it's best if you just know what stage we're talking about, and... <laughs> We just go from there. That's really ideal. That's that's Johnny Long. You just here. Welcome, Johnny. Hi, I'm here. I'm here again. Haven't gone anywhere. Nope. It's gonna be the three of us for a little while here. And Ian Trellor, Ian, uh, will you set the scene for me this evening, including the just general uh, assessment of us the from the people around us? Damning. <laughs> uh, the the general scene. We are in a square in Limoges. Uh, it, in a restaurant that I have eaten at before. In fact, I think we've all, all three, three of us, us yeah. eaten last that year. Yeah. Last year, um, it's a, a relatively nice. Is it a, a brasserie? Do we call this a brasserie? It is a brasserie. Considering it's, it's a, a brasserie. brasserie attached to a Mercure Hotel. Yeah, uh, and and the genius of that is there's free Wi-Fi for guests, which we are not, <laughs> but we're taking advantage of it. Uh, since last time we were here, there's a big carousel that is broken just to the left of us. Sad. Uh, mm. Which is sad, but. It gives me all of the good vibes of Limoges from last time, which, granted, might have been drunken. Mm. Uh, in the immediate surrounds of us, there's a table of people that are dressed a little bit fancier than we are. Significantly fancier than we are. We look like we've been at the Tour de France on a very hot day, where we got lost on our way to the finish line, trying mm. to find the team buses Only and things, and just walked up some very big hills. Um, getting progressively sweatier, mm -hmm. and then finally arrived just as the finish happened. So that's a little bit of how the sausage was made. But where the sausage is made is in Limoges, which is where we are now. Limoges. Hmm. Limoges. <laughs> well, the number one story of today is, well, it's a pretty obvious one, I think. Uh, Mark Cavendish is out of the bike race. We're going to get to who wins. Mess Peterson deserves a mention and a, and a chat, but uh, let's be honest. This is one of those unfortunate days where the individual who wins the bike race is, sorry, Mess, a second-tier story. Because Mark Cavendish is out of the bike race. I think that's an unnecessary shot at Mads Pedersen. It's not his fault. Especially considering he's a large individual yeah. with a spicy temper sometimes. That's true. But it's not his fault. It just is the reality. I feel kind of bad for him, but it's, it's it is true. what it is. Let's start with Cav. So yeah. what happened? Well, what happened? I mean, we didn't see it on the it happened on the TV cameras. There was sort of a... It's just one of those things where the bunch tightens and then there's like uh, riders squeeze their brakes. It like ricochets, pulsates through, through the peloton. Yep. And at some point, someone's neither not paying attention or is not ready to sort of get out of the way. And one thing leads to another. Someone crashes it leads up with a few guys on the floor y usually everyone gets back up and everyone's fine but then sometimes it'll be one of those freak things where maybe you're not going fast enough so you really hit the deck which Mark Cavendish did broke his collarbone he's at the hospital in the Perigoods um, out of the, the Tour de France's last Tour de no, France no Perigo Perigo Perigoods is all the way down in the Pyrenees okay well so I need to update I need to update an article though <laughs> uh, I think Perigo which is not too far from here Okay. Um, well, yes, he's well. He's in the hospital somewhere. He is, and I, he should be okay. Um, whether this is his last Tour de France, I mean, the funny thing about Cavendish is, and his sort of longevity, is that even though he said he's retiring at the end of this year, the, the manner in which he's crashed out, people are like 
people within the peloton are already being like, oh, he'll probably be back next year. People within this podcast. People within this podcast. People, I think it. I th- I, th- I yeah. think there's a decent chance that he just comes right back. Well, it, well, the fortunate thing is that he did it the day after coming second, and he would have won had it not been for a mechanical. So yep. if there's any time to crash out the Tour de France, it's directly after that happens. Well, it makes it particularly sad, I think, because it, yeah. yesterday for, uh, for everybody was sort of confirmation that he can do this, and came unbelievably close. And I, like honestly, that proximity to it makes this whole thing even more sad for me, I think. And... You know, we've talked enough on this podcast. Like, I think that most listeners will probably know that that none of the three of us are like massive Mark Cavendish fans, uh, and that's that's definitely because he's, he's frankly he's like never treated a lot of the press particularly well, and so like why would we be? But you can still you can sort of separate the man and the and the athlete, right? And I, I think all of us are hugely impressed by the things that he's done as an athlete and and i'm a fan of him as an athlete uh and i think that it's sad that he came so close yesterday and then 24 hours later is sitting in the back of a of a van on the way to the hospital even if you're not like best mates with someone it doesn't mean that you want to see them injured or their dreams like smashing into a million pieces you know it's he's a human he's got family he's done a lot for the sport Everyone in the peloton likes him. Yep. Uh, so I mentioned this in my story today that I think he's he's like a pro's pro, right? And and they talk about this in lots of different sports where the the pros that the other professionals sort of admire. Yes, they have a lot of talent. Yes, they are able to mm-hmm. sort of you know act under pressure and all the rest. But it's also generally the guys that worked really hard to get there as well. Like we were talking with our friend. Josh Robinson of the Wall Street Journal. And uh, he wrote a book that was focused pretty heavily on Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. And granted, for any non-soccer football fans, this is not going to make a whole lot of sense. But basically what he was saying is that Ronaldo is like the pro's pro. And other professionals have a huge amount of respect for him because they feel like he worked harder to get to that sort of potential GOAT status, right? Oh... I don't think you could hear that on the... A round of applause at the restaurant for the largest amount of glass crashing I've ever heard in my life. That was a lot. That was a lot. Uh, I don't think you could hear it on the mics, but interrupted a little bit. There are some very happy people in Limoges (laughs) about that. (laughs) Anyway, my point being is that that, uh, this direct comparison, so the Ronaldo-Messi thing, a lot of sort of fellow professionals view Messi as this like weird, like born with it (laughs) kind of talent versus Ronaldo who worked his ass off to get where he is and I think that Cav is in very much sort of the the Ronaldo side of things right like he he is he's the greatest sprinter of all time there's no question about that whatsoever but he did not necessarily do that with sort of pure born with it talent that was going to get him there and we've seen this over and over again I mean his his career more than any other sprinter I can think of is just been this up and down and up and down and up and down and he fights back and you have to respect anybody who does that yeah I mean everyone's you know for the next day we'll probably hear or actually until we start tomorrow for the Puy de Dome but the whole of today's news has been dominated by Mark Cavendish as it rightly should be because if this does turn out to be his last tour stage then if he's going to end on this in this manner, then it's a bummer. You got to, you know, everyone's got to pay tribute. Everyone spends time thinking about it. He'll have other like final races, like goodbye races, but it's not the same as if he'd won a stage and then had a final procession on the Champs Elysees, where he like tries to win another stage, but also, regardless, he does like another lap or something like that, and it would be magic. Yeah, 
Again, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. I really wouldn't be surprised if he came back. But, man, it's a lot of... It's a lot of work to get to this point. I mean, to get to the point where he is contesting for tour sprints, it's it's a it's a it's a half year of work, you know. And I, I don't, I'm not entirely confident he wants to do that again. I wouldn't put it past him, but I'm not. He said he's done. So at this point, Enios Grandes say they're still riding as a GC team, still like laying the groundwork for Egan Bernal or Tom Pickup to make that next step, but. <laughs> They've got, an, A, enough money and probably enough squad space because there's a lot of guys leaving at the end of the year. Why not just give Cav one of those spaces and a spot in the tour team and like a guy like Connor Swift or I'm trying to think of who else they could have. But just give him that one more chance. That'd be, that'd be a more fitting send-off than yeah. at Astana because that was the thing that kind of got everyone's goat when he signed for Astana was that if he does win the number 35, it's going to be in the Astana Aquamarine of Skaldaggery. Of uh, Alexander Vitakurov. Yeah. 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 Who uh, I filmed from stage seven when Cavendish was going back to the bus, and I missed this, but uh, when I posted, people were replying, letting me know that Alexander Vitakurov tried to fist bump Mark Cavendish after he'd got back after like losing a devastating sprint. Obviously, Mark Cavendish didn't reciprocate, so Vinokurov just like fist bumped Cavendish's bike's handlebars. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, it's in the store on the website or on my Twitter. It's where if you if you in need of a pick me up at any point over the next <laughs> however many months, and just to remind yourself that everything's okay, just go back and watch that video and just see the sort of like part of the soul of Alexander Vinokurov that's still left leave his leave his body. I was I was not surprised, but uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of positive chat from the rest of the peloton today. Kind of going back to what I was saying, he's a pro's pro. Uh, some really nice words from like Dylan Grunewagen, who was actually up on stage with him at the sort of initial press conference stuff in Bilbao, and it said at that point that he was the greatest of all time and, and was still the greatest. Uh, Grunewagen said that again right before Ian, you pissed him off. I did. Uh, there's been a lot made about me coming into this tour as the friendship tour, trying to make friends with, uh, with little friends along the way. And I think today I might have made my first enemy when... He, he answered some questions, uh, Dylan Grunaway answered some questions about Cav and said very nice things about him. And I thought that it was fitting to, after talking about one sprinter that was a rival, for him to maybe talk about another sprinter that was his rival. So I asked uh, whether Jasper Philipson is on a different level to everybody else at the Tour de France this year. That's a reasonable question. Which I thought was a fair enough question, seeing as he's won three out of four of the sprint stages so far. And one, how many, like two last year. I think you're just and Dylan Gronewagen hasn't really been all that close. I think you're a big meanie, no. Ian. Anyway, so Dylan Gronewagen gave me a kind of death stare and then yeah. said, well, he didn't win today, did he? And then oh. went into the bus. He clapped back at you in a different language. Well, it was English. But a different, sorry, a different language to his native His tongue. second language. Yeah, his second yeah. Language. yeah so I, I felt... Uh, I felt that I had disappointed Dylan at that time, and I feel the same. I I don't feel remorse. No good. I would do it again. Maybe you should. Maybe tomorrow. I will. <laughs> just just see who finishes uh, first on Puerto Dom, and then see whether whether again Jasper Philipson has proven himself the superior bike rider. Lots of other positive chat from the rest of the uh, the peloton. Everybody we talked to had interesting things to say, I think. And, and again, I don't want to make this like 
<laughs> the, the Mark Cavendish love episode. Yeah, especially but, when like me personally also spends a lot of time like knocking him. Yeah, but he, there's a time and place, isn't there? Like you can be critical, but it's like you're not critical of someone right after something bad has happened to them. Like that's not yeah. the time to like stick the boot in. No, Look and, and at you with your normal human empathy, Johnny. <laughs> I've I've been learning a lot this tour. <laughs> No, and like I said, he, he, he deserves, regardless of whether you're a fan or not, he deserves respect. respect. You'd have to li- well, he probably yeah. would agree you'd have to like him, you'd have to respect him. Yeah. The one thing I did think, though, with the tributes in the peloton, is that a lot of these guys, because Cavendish has such a long career, wouldn't have been racing against him. when he Cavendish admits himself in the past when he was a bit more feisty with yep. everyone. And also these these guys, the the younger generation, they were watching on TV when he was winning his first tour stages and loving that. So then, 2010, it's always going to be framed differently. Yeah. Cavendish is going to see them in a different light to his own like peers. So that's a bit of context to put into it all. Yeah, Jasper Philipson was asked about that in his press conference yesterday after he won the stage. <laughs> I actually I found it a little bit funny. I think he kind of caught himself about halfway through, basically calling Cavendish old. And was trying to like figure out how to get a, like work his way around in this answer that he was giving to make it sound less like he was just calling Cavendish old. <laughs> he's not old; he's young at heart. <laughs> Philipson often finds himself in these sort of um, linguistic quandaries yeah. where he starts trying to tell the truth and then remembers where he is, and he's he's actually not supposed to tell the truth about things and has to work his way back. And, he, and the, the 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 answer to the question just gets longer and longer and longer and longer yeah, as great. he attempts to find his way around. <laughs> He was just totally lost in explaining how Mark Cavendish was the greatest, but is the greatest. And back then, when I was watching him, when I was a little small child, is basically what he was saying. But also, he's not old yet, and also, he's definitely not done. And Also, we're not giving away victories, but I love him, but I don't, but I do. <laughs> it was very entertaining to listen to. He, he, he kind of brought it around, but it, it, you could see the gears turning in his head, which I enjoyed. Should we talk about who won the bike race? Yes, let's talk about who won the bike race. Mats Pedersen. Ness Pedersen. Mm. And he did it as the result of a pretty spectacular team effort where all of Little Trek, uh, Little Trek, sorry. Little Trek is objectively funnier. It is. Yeah. Which is? Little. Little Trek. Mm. I sort of split the difference. But I. If we. Anyway, Little Trek. To bring things screaming back off this tangent, uh, it was a, a team effort. Um, the lead out was was really well executed from about five kilometres to go. What I thought was impressive about Little Trek's efforts were was the fact that it was really pretty much everybody on the team that was working for a common goal. It was uh, good, including Skelmosa, who uh, a couple of days ago was complaining about a back a back that was so bad that he felt like a ninety-year-old. Yeah, very which specific. Is, very specific, and also, that's not a good way for your back to feel when you're 22. <laughs> that's uh, that's quite. So, how does he know? What's his frame of reference there? Maybe that's he's a got a point. grandma or something. He still can't feel what her back feels like. Well, he was a very nice young man, so maybe I'll ask him whether he knows what his grandma's back feels like tomorrow, <laughs> and just bring the friendship to her back on track. Um, and there was also some some work from Alex Kirsch. There was. There was really, yeah, it was it was quite impressive. There were there were a lot of little tracks, all working to get Mads Pedersen across the line first, and he ended up having to do a really long sprint anyway because it was such a hard run in. He went probably you know 30, 40 meters before he would have liked, but he was able to hang on. And he said in the sort of post race 
kind of grab thing that it doesn't matter whether you win by, I think you said two meters or two centimeters, something like that. don't remember exactly. Two millimeters. doesn't matter. It's the Tour de France. You still win. And he managed to hold off Jasper Philipson, who was coming on pretty fast. Little Trek's uh, press officer, Love Island Jacob. Hi, Love Island Jacob. Love, hi, Love Island Jacob. Do we need uh, to explain that? No. Uh, no. Okay. No. If people want to know, then they can ask on the Discord. Ah, ooh, this we could explain this on the special members-only podcast that's coming on Monday. Yeah, people might know as well. It was only last year. Yeah, but you know, I think we explained. It. Well, yeah, true. There's anyway, lots of new folks out there. There are new folks. Little track press officer Love Island Jacob. He bought Mads Pedersen as a present for winning the stage a pair of little swimming shorts that Mads Pedersen could then wear in the paddling pool slash ice bath at their hotel. Uh, he sent me the video of it. Told me that yeah he bought them as a present. But my fo- follow ups are so he bought he went to a little in between the stage finish and the against the hotel. I need to that clarified and I also <laughs> need to get clarified if he'll be expensing the present. Because how does that work? Is that sponsorship money from Lidl being used to buy Lidl products? And should this be investigated by a public authority? What I would believe He's that that would be... Messages. What that's going to be referred to in the Lidl Trek uh, ledger is an internal recharge, Johnny. And what that means is that money from one part of the organisation, say marketing, gets shuffled into another pot within the organisational accounts no money is actually changing hands because all of it comes from the same big pot. It's just a way of making the books make sense. And also, he Are hasn't bought accountant? him a present. That's bullshit. At no point has he bought him a present. Somebody in Lidl has found some board shorts and just been like, hey, give those to Mads Pedersen. That is all that's happened the there. I don't believe this story. That is just an attempt from Love Island Jacob to make something go a little bit viral. He wants you to take that, put it on our socials, and boost the message that Lidl is a great and fun supermarket, which I don't think it is. Wow. This is capital J journalism happening before your eyes. I think it's more of an op-ed. Before your ears. I like how I spend like 20 minutes of a podcast episode being positive about Cavendish, and then Ian storms in and steals the usual cynic role from right under my gaze. And I appreciate it, because it lets me... Live a more fluffy existence. No, I, I think that I think that they've done a good job today. And normally <laughs> I, I, I like Love Island Jacob's work. And <laughs> I'm, not, today? I'm not normally going to object to Mads Peterson doing a, a little funny video for the camera. Mm. But let's call it what it is. I would like it if he took a bath in his little uh, swimming trunks, but in like a, a paddling pool filled with oil and like decaying sea life... From, I would from like the, it. from the produce of the other petrochemical sponsors that Mads Pedersen has been racing against today. That's wonderful. I'd like it if he did all of that scene exactly the same, but in the middle of a branch of Lidl. Yes, just, yeah. We are available it for... Is absolutely doing my head in that you two are pronouncing the same word differently. Can we pick one? And just imagine how the listeners feel. <laughs> maybe, no, maybe, because people are asking about this, and maybe yeah. this is the perfect workaround, is that it's Lidl, Trek, and Lidl, Trek, and then eventually one... Everyone decides on one, and then we, then that's how it goes. Can I go Lidl? You could go Lidl. You could go Lidl, but that <laughs> Ian, Ian finally looks exasperated, <laughs> which is a mean feat. I'm doing it. Lidl Trek. Lidl Trek sounds like he plays cornerback for a not serious university somewhere in, in the West Pacific. 
I'm sticking with it. Okay. We're doing it. I, I'm going to bring this. I'm going to kind of bring it back around. Mess Peterson has uh, been given his due. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Lytle Trek. Uh, we're very proud of you. And it was it was really a, a, a pretty impressive team effort. I would say that the the Philipson sprints have also been really good team efforts, but largely sort of Matthew Vanderpool efforts. And this was more of a whole team lead out. We have a plan. We executed. It was it was truly impressive. But I do want to bring it back briefly to. Cavendish and this record. So I think it is worth saying out loud, first and foremost, that being tied with Eddie Merckx for a record is pretty good. Yeah? It's pretty good. But I think he wanted 35 pretty badly. So here's the follow-up question. Is there anybody else in the Peloton today that stands any chance of coming anywhere near eventually surpassing this record? He joked about it the other day when he won his 10th stage at the age of 24. But Tadej Pogacar, since his first tour in 2020, each complete tour, 2020, 2021, 2022, he's won three stages in each. But on stage, what stage was that, six? Stage six, he won his first stage of this year's race. Yep. He's still got a bunch of stages to go, and we're not even in the mountains yet. And Jumbo seem like they're just going to, if the race keeps developing how it is, they're going to be mopping up. All the breakaway riders, they might not get much. They will get chanced on some days, but there'll be a lot of chances for stage victories. So he needs, so Tadej Pogacar would need to win three stages minimum a year for 12 years. Okay, now <laughs> it's sounding a bit mad. Um, but he would only be early 30s by then. Yeah. And it's Cavendish possible. is what? Late, mid to late 30s now? It's possible. It's possible. I think that the only way that Pogacar would have a chance would be if he stuck a couple tours in there in the middle with more in the kind of like five six stage win kind of realm if like uh that's what cab had yeah finger goal like say he crashes out next year or this year whatever and then he's just like right i'm gonna go win this this summit finish because i can outclimb everyone or if finger god retires perpetually and then jumbo visma goes (laughs) all in on wout who is on nine and then wout instead of being a lead out man and uh uh i don't know like a mountain domestique Mm. It's just all the Wout Pan Out show. Just for as many stages as possible. And to then break he the record. probably get 60. <laughs> He's, Wout Van Aert is 27, 28 now, I think. Yep. So that he has less of a window, but... Yeah, I could... I mean, Pogacci kind of want to... At the moment, we were talking about this earlier, how he, you know, he's got, he loves his racing. He seems one of the few... Well, not one of the few. One, one of those riders who genuinely just enjoys the fun of it and does yeah. it for the fun he's not he's obviously you know he obviously probably enjoys getting a big paycheck but he loves it maybe yeah. other GC guys don't but it also it's still hard to judge how long that love is going to last and also if you do it out of love instead of as a job is that harder to persist with over a longer amount of time maybe potentially because yeah if you, if, if you stop loving it you don't really know how to continue on yeah yeah like I, I was saying before we hit record that I think that's I think Peter Sagan probably has other things going on in his life right now. Uh, we we just had a second instance of a drink drink driving uh, issue. Some other stuff going on in Peter Sagan's life, but regardless, I think that the, the, there's some similarities in terms of like he just loved bike racing and loved winning for a while, and then seemed to fall out of love with it not that long ago, um, and hasn't really done much since. And if that's the way that you operate, and you just and you just that's what's driving you. I think that there is a danger of Pogacar at some point just kind of pulling the plug a bit early on a, on a career that probably could keep going. 
But if he just doesn't love it anymore, then he doesn't love it anymore. Or the other option is like, if you truly love it, Valverde style, you just keep going. <laughs> Where right? you, after you retire, you decide to wear some brown shorts instead and just go and crush a bunch of Americans at various gravel races all over the place. And you've really got to love cycling to do that after a 20-year road career. He cannot stop. Yeah, that's, it's almost too far the other way, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Ian, you have just slid a note across the table. It says, I have more color from Limoges. So uh, what's your Limoges color? So uh, when I was uh, very late getting back to the press room to write a story about Mads Pedersen winning, the reason why I was very late was because I was just watching what was happening with all of the team buses. And I had quite a, quite a lot of fun watching the DSM team bus get quite comprehensively stuck going around a corner. Uh, it, was, it was really one of those moments where you just get a good glimpse of many different levels of man. You had an older man, just like a stranger, just coming through the gap and like trying to direct it in that way that old dudes do. You know, that's, like, that's, that's dad just stuff. Back her in. Yep, yep, she'll be right. Um, <laughs> bus driver, very stressed, very stressed looking bus driver because his mirror was about to smash through the Cofidus bus's window. Then uh, to add chaos to the mix, you had Brian Cocard, the Cofidus sprinter, uh, coming out and just getting involved for I, I don't know what he thought he was contributing and I don't know what relationship he might have had with the bus driver but he was trying to pass his child through the window to the bus driver whilst all this was happening that's how I get my child places um, and then then the bus driver had to reverse keep in mind that there's roughly like 5,000 people in this very so, narrow street it was so crowded was today so was packed. Um, all around the bus behind it Buses are very big, and I don't imagine that their rear view, like their rear vision, would be that great. So no. he's then trying to reverse down a crowded street filled with fans and riders and other team buses. Um, meanwhile, there's another DSM staff member standing there on the steps, just like sadly eating an icy pole. <laughs> it was what? Great. He had an icy pole. Uh, you'd probably call it an ice lolly or something. What? Uh, like a, what we call, call it? freeze pop. It wasn't a freeze pop. It was on a stick. It's like on a stick. Oh, like an stick. ice lolly. An ice lolly. Well, you call it an ice... An ice lolly. What did you call it? Icy pole. Icy bowl. Pole. pole. A popsicle? That's pop weird. Popsicle? Yeah. Icy pole. So anyway, a DSM popsicle. staffer, not, it's not, a helping, not helping in any way, just sort of standing there with the door open, just looking out, eating an icy pole. <laughs> an icy pole? Icy pole. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on this. That's the weirdest one. It's weirder than popsicle. Popsicles? Ice lolly. It's not a lollipop. Because it's like though. a lollipop. It's not. It's an ice lollipop. It's just shortened. Uh, and a, a popsicle is a pop, like a lollipop icicle. No, but the sickles come popsicle. from some weird. What is from the icicle. Ah. Ah. That's weird, though. Okay, anyway. No one <laughs> anyway, we're losing sight of the fact that DSM bus nearly crashed into the car. Yeah, you know what would have. very funny to me. <laughs> you know what would have helped the. DSM bus driver is if I'd driven our car into the side of the bus the other day because anyone would have had to worry about anything. Yep. Then that wouldn't have been the worst moment of his tour de France. No, and the bus probably wouldn't have even been there. It would have been in the shop getting fixed. So and the DSM team would just be riding from stage to stage? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, I thought it was a nice little moment that underlined how, how mad the tour de France is, how, how there is chaos around every corner, sometimes uh, the corner in front in the form of a cofferdus bus, sometimes the corner behind in the form of a spectator you're about to run over. 
we've tried to get in touch with the DSM bus driver. But he's not ready to he's, talk. He's not ready to talk, understandably. Uh, we, we understand he was very stressed today. Maybe we'll talk to him in a few days, maybe not. There will be some follow-up we'll reporting. The, the key yeah. question that we want to get to the bottom of is, on, on the scale of a normal day at the Tour de France, is this just par for the course? Is this what yeah. his life is? And if so, how is he still going in this job? Because that seemed extremely stressful. Or maybe this was like peak stress for the DSM team bus driver. I think I once interviewed some quick step uh, bus drivers and they seemed quite dead behind the eyes just from years of mm. stress where it's just like they don't want to or can't feel I, anymore. I've, chat, I've chatted quite extensively with Biso who used to do he used to drive the EF bus. Okay. Um, and I think he's at a I've seen him around. He's at a he's on a different he's a different bus driver. He's but drives a different bus now. I don't know what what team he's at. Uh, I think his actual I think his actual name is Andrea Bisogno. Don't quote me on that. I just know him as Biso. That's the Biso bus. He actually had a, I think he had an Instagram account, Biso Bus. Go check it out. What I'd like to find out is which bus and which team is the best to be a bus driver for. Because like, they must chat and there must be teams where that's the better one and for different reasons. I'd like to know what the worst bus is. <laughs> uh, and why I is it Astana? <laughs> Or, or Total Energies, because you just have to deal with that music all the time. So loud. So all very day. loud. Would you like to pop over to our regular segment? I would. I'm ready. So the Mayo Sable, after stage eight of the Tour de France, from Le Bourne to Limoges, 200.7 kilometers. It's a new rider. New rider. 73rd place. Okay. Up three spaces. Ooh. One hour, zero minutes, 43 seconds. Tight. Now, Kaylee, would you like nationality, team, fun fact, or serious fact? Uh, serious fact. He's worn the King of the Mountains jersey at a Tour de France. Only one? Am I allowed follow-ups? I think you're allowed clarification. He's worn more than one jersey. It wasn't just a flash in the pan. More than one King of the Mountains so he's had, jersey? He's had, or? he's had it for more than one day. He's okay. held it. Warren Barguil. Incorrect. Ian, name, team, or fun fact? Team. Cofidis. No looking at the, the, the rider list by your landlord. The only Cofidis that I can think... Oh. I'm going to have to push you for an answer. Ah, Simon Geschke. That's correct. Ah. Ian levels it. It's a tie two to two. at 2 2. Oh, man. I'm coming Olympics. I'm not going to the Olympics anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I made two a mistake. I made a, I made a strategic error there in going for uh, the fact first as opposed to the team. For the Tade Pagacha way of winning. Yep. the tour whereas Ian was much more Jonas Vingago I agree I agree and that's not necessarily the way around I thought it would have happened <laughs> I might turn it around tomorrow I might turn it around I mean it's definitely going to change tomorrow we got a big yeah. stage tomorrow uh, well before we head over to Jose Bain and Abby we should talk about tomorrow's stage a little bit so tomorrow stage 9 Saint Leonard de Nobla to Puy de Dome. Puy de Dome being the ancient 
what's the right term? Defunct volcano? Uh, uh, extinct. Defunct. Is it extinct? <laughs> yeah, extinct. it's been decommissioned because the costs are too high. <laughs> extinct volcano uh, with a sort of like a little squiggle road at the top. It's actually, if you ride, um, it's kind of like the Zwift one. <laughs> That is that the different. worst thing I've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> I don't really Zwift that often, but I have accidentally found myself in the middle of winter on a Zwift volcano, and it's like it looks, it's like that, less lava. I've got my head. Do in you my ride hands. through the lava? No, 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 there's no lava at all in this one. It's ah, because, because it's decommissioned. It's, it's been decommissioned. <laughs> Big exactly. whole thing with the council and the planning committee. This is obviously a GC stage. It's a it's a big GC stage. Uh, Johnny, what does it what does it look like? What's the profile look like? It's uh, a lumpy day with a sprint point uh, within the first thirty kilometers. So I guess you'll see a number of people interested in the green jersey competition getting an early move and probably also getting themselves up the road to just give themselves an easier day out. There's then three categorized climbs leading up to the final sunfish climb two fourth category ascents and then a third category climb and then the Puy de Dome starts about 12.6 kilometers from the finish and its average grading is 7.8 percent and the final ramp which is 4.5 kilometers long that's like after the the cable car funicular thing that you can you can get to the top which I'll be trying to get on tomorrow uh, it's 4.5 kilometers of road to the real summit, and that's at 11.5%. So it's going to be a real big day of bike racing. Can't wait. Neither. Who's your pick? I think it's also going to be a bit of a surreal day of bike racing because there are no spectators allowed on the final climb. Yeah, it's going to be weird. So it will be just this empty thing up a narrow path to a finish, well, and then everyone will be whisked away, and there's no cars allowed up there. So there's no. going to be well, Johnny's like going to get up there. Johnny yeah, I might be the there. only person on so TV. So we Just a gentle giant on the summit. <laughs> <laughs> we got him his his Borat uh, outfit, and you're ready to run alongside. Yep, and if I'm lucky, Alexis Reynard uh, may. I don't know how to phrase this. <laughs> Give so me a I'm, tap. Yep, a tap on my merry way. All right, I'm, I'm looking forward to the stage. It's going to be amazing. It's, I mean, it's the first time this uh, climb has been used since 1988. Uh, there is a fun little story from Rupert Guinness up on the site today from the last time the race went this way. If you want to go check that out. Now it is time to head over to Jose Bain. Today, Jose is honoring Raymond Poulidor, who lived and died in saint Leonard de Nobla. And we look at volcanoes, of course, because there's volcanoes defunct ones. Let's listen in. We start the final stage before the rest day in a very special place. Ramon Poulidor, the grandfather of Mathieu van der Poel, but even more importantly, the cycling champion that France so dearly loved, lived and died here. Mathieu and his brother David must have spent many summer holidays here and reconned today's stage start well before the Tour de France was even on their mind. They were probably only dreaming back then of stepping in the footsteps of their world-famous grandpa. Poupou, as he's lovingly referred to, was a rider we now would call the underdog. He's also known as the man always finishing in second place, 
because he did so in the Tour de France of 1964, 65 and 74. In the stage to Puy de Dôme in 1964, he came very close to actually winning the race. Jacques Anquetil was really very tired that day, but poker faced his way to the top. Polidor didn't know that he could have beaten his French rival there and then. And in the end, there were only 55 seconds between the two in Paris. Well, today we also go to the Puy de Dôme, so let's do a little geology again, courtesy of GOTDF. We climb to 1,465 metres. It's a 13.3-kilometre long climb with an average gradient of 7.7%. The Chien de Puy is a nearly 40-kilometre long chain of more than 80 monogenetic volcanoes. It hosts clues of human occupation since the Stone Age, and the park is listed as a UNESCO World Heritage Site since 2018. Monogenetic volcanoes are small and short-lived volcanoes. Once they erupt, their life comes to an end. However, they do not occur alone. Hundreds to thousands of them may group in what scientists call a monogenetic volcanic field. They erupt one next to the other. And in this way, each volcano easily becomes extinct over a week or a decade, but the volcanic field may span over thousands to millions of years. Monogenetic volcanoes reveal the structural weakness regions throughout the Earth's crust. Deep molten rock, or magma, uses these weaknesses to rise upwards to the surface. And the Chien des Puy is one of those structural weakness regions. Volcanic activity has been dated between 70,000 and 9,000 years ago, and this makes it the youngest expression of the French Massif Central volcanism. You can see some of the little volcanoes from the Panaromique des Dômes. Well, the Puy de Dôme is one of the highest monogenetic volcanoes along the Chien des Puy, and that also called on the attention for ancient spiritual traditions. They're ruins of the Roman temple of Mercury from the 1st century BC, but they were built over older archaeological sites. Also, this is where Blaise Pascal designed his experiment on measuring atmospheric pressure variation within altitude. He defeated the old conceptions about vacuum, making up a true revolution in physics. I did not know that about volcanoes. That was a pretty hot bit of storytelling. Uh, we have two bits of housekeeping here. First and foremost, we're doing extra, sort of super special extra bits of Wheel Talk from the Giro this week. And we apologize for not communicating this, well, actually, really at all. Uh, that was our failure. But we've got them up on the Wheel Talk channel, the solo channel, not the main escape channel. Now, the, basically, the reason for this is because if we start, I know that we said everything was going to be on this channel, but if we overlap too much, basically, listens start to drop off dramatically, which to us means that it's not good for either podcast. And so we try, basically, the tour takes over everything. And so we're going to be doing just the tour dailies throughout the entire Tour de France and Tour de France Femme 
unfortunately that means that stuff like this needs to get bumped to the solo channels. So uh, if you do want extra Jiro coverage from Abby and company, head over to the Wheel Talk channel. There's a bunch of stuff from the last couple stages, and of course you get this final weekend. So make sure you're checking that out if you want your Jiro coverage, in addition to obviously what Abby drops into these episodes. Second bit of housekeeping, just wanted to shout out a couple members out there who happen to be on a real big bike ride right now. Uh, Emma and Greg reached out. They are on their way. They're currently racing the Pan Celtic race, which is from St. Marlo in France, 2,400 kilometers. That's like almost the distance of the Tour de France to... There's a lot of Landidno. Landidno. It's in Wales. Landidno. Landidno. It's where I've been there. I've cycled up that, actually. It's oh. one of the few things I've cycled up. I <laughs> uh, went with my dad to the 2021 or 22 Tour of Britain, I want to say. I think 21. Yeah. And it's uh, it's, ama- it's, uh, it's like a road that goes all the way around, like circular up to the top. And Wout van Aert was sprinting against Julian Anaphilippe in the rainbow jersey. And That's fun. At the t- we were at the top. It was a great atmosphere. And... Me and my dad turned to each other and said we we're confident that we will never see that again in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Well, uh, Emma and Greg, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for being uh, members and thanks for being podcast listeners. If you would like to be like Emma and Greg, you don't have to ride 2,400 kilometers across Europe. You can just head over to escapecollective.com slash join. We have a $1 special going on this month. Yes, the first month is only one American dollar. One buck, as we say. Or other currencies do apply. One British gold coin or one European gold coin. I've got two sitting here in front of me just to remind me how insignificant scraps of metal they are and that you might as well use it to see if you like our site. And if you hate it, it's fine because it's, it's one pound, one dollar. Think about think about all the rest of the money in your entire lifetime that you've wasted and frittered away to no end maybe this dollar changes your life forever good as a bonus we are also closing in fast on a rest day yes and if you become a member before that rest day you can slide into our dms on discord ask us special little questions and you will get access to a members only to a daily pod that isn't going to go on the the general feed just for you just for you. Actually, don't slide into our DMs because I have like a hundred DMs that I have not answered. Sorry, because withdrawn. Too many. Uh, at put, us. put it on the yeah at us. There's a special. There is a channel in the Discord. Q&A it is thread. under the Tour de France yeah. section. You can. There's a special place to put your questions in. Uh, or honestly, you could like. I would prefer you DM me on like social media or something. I'm more likely to see it than the Discord. Which again, I'm just. I'm slightly underwater, as they say. And think about it, if you're clever in the way you ask your question, you could basically get anything within reason read out on the podcast. That's true. You want you want an ad for your uh, local bicycle club? Well, within, it's gotta be it's gotta be humorous for us to read it out that or doesn't interesting. Sound <laughs> I was that thinking sounds like dull content. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll make it we'll make the call. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, don't don't just yeah. Now, don't just send us in adverts <laughs> no. to your your local clubs. That's a terrible. Now idea. you're inviting ad reads. I was thinking more. Just, I was thinking more. Just getting like borderline deranged questions sent in. We do want borderline deranged questions. Yeah. There's there's a bunch of great questions. There's already. great questions so yeah. far. We can't wait. It's gonna be a great episode, and it will only be going out to members. If you are not a member, you will have zero way of accessing it, ever. 
one of them's already a direct shot at me. So if you want any more of those, send them in and I can just <laughs> rattle them off in like a couple of minutes and get them out of the way. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, yeah, head over to escapecollective.com slash join $1 right now. It's a big deal for us. We've made the plea. This is how we stay in business. So please head over and sign up. All right, now let's get over to Abby and the Giro. We are back today to talk about the Giro Don. I'm just going to say it differently every time. So stage eight, we're back to racing. We've got just one more stage to go now, only Sunday. And today was not a breakaway day, unfortunately. Maybe tomorrow there's one more chance, but it was a reduced bunch sprint won by Blanca Voss. Chloe Dygart came in second and Liana Lippert was third for Movistar. An awesome sprint for Liana, although I think like she's got that kick on her. So unsurprised to see her up there. And I don't know if Anamik listens to our podcast. I would hope not because I've in the past been critical of her. Flirty Mackay was all over the race today, off the front. Attacking left, right, and center. She was given freedom, I reckon, today. And she took it. Yeah, she's always been a really attacking rider. Like, just racing her, she just always wanted to be up the road. And she doesn't like an easy race. So, yeah, it was good to see. I think they didn't give her much space today. There was a couple teams that were keen for a sprint. Um, really great ride by Blanca Voss, who had no teammates. Really, I mean... The, she has teammates and they were up there doing work for her, of course, but she has a reduced team with Elena Cicchini and Lorena Wiebus out. And those two would have been the ones up in the sprint had had they been at the race. But Blanca Voss, what a talent. I mean, she won her first world tour stage, her first world tour race at Tour de Suisse on the first stage. And within a month has taken her second world tour win. She's always been like a, a talent. And I think she's just spent like the last year, year and a half, just learning the ropes of being in the peloton. And I mean, she's learning from the best in the business, having Anna van der Breggen in the car behind you. And Chantel also, even though she hasn't been racing, she's she would have been vital coming to those races and giving some advice. And yeah, there's a lot of riders in that team with a lot of experience. So she's been learning from the best and getting, yeah, just going on training camps. If you're riding at altitude with Demi volering, then you're going to be going pretty well after that so yeah it's really good to see Chantel back on her bike today after having a baby yeah. cool tomorrow stage nine will be a little bit more straightforward as far as the finish it's um there's like a 7.7 kilometer long climb halfway through the day and another cat three like really early in the day like six kilometers into the stage or something so mm -hmm. super fun um to finish to start off the last day like that and then it's basically descending to d descending and then a little bit of flat all the way to the line it's about 30k of descent slash flat so it's going to be i mean if it's not a breakaway day then it will definitely be another day that Voss could try to go for it if she's feeling a little bit better do you know who i reckon is gonna want it to be a sprint tomorrow I might have a little go is bastianelli her last ever race so i wouldn't be surprised if she because the climb it doesn't look like a really really hard day no both of the climbs the highest percent they get to is is 5.9 but it's mostly like five percent four percent it's yeah. really they're really gradual kind of not even slogs because they're not that long it's going to be an emotional day for her i mean she's been in the peloton a really really long time finishing in italy as well so i wouldn't be surprised if 
UAE want to do something special and do a lead out or something for her and just see be called to finish your last race with your arms in the air yeah 18 years she's been racing wow with a year off um yeah 2009 for a doping suspension but yeah former world champion she won the world championship road race in 2007 came back to the peloton after her suspension in 2010 and has kind of been a staple in the peloton ever since then a mom yeah as well she's probably one of the first moms in the peloton yeah hannah will be back tomorrow to talk about the final stage thanks so much Thanks so much for listening to this segment of the Wheel Talk podcast. For more information on the Giro and more of my chat with Hannah Barnes, plus audio diaries from riders in the race like Sarah Roy of the Canyon Stram team, Veronica Ewers of EF Education Tipco Silicon Valley Bank, Neve Fisher-Black of SD Works, Nina Kessler from Jayco Lula, and Loretta Hansen of Lidl Trek, head on over to the Wheel Talk podcast feed. There's a lot of Giro coverage over there. Only one day left. See you tomorrow. All right, gentlemen. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. There's was it a fire? Is it what? Someone's having a birthday and they've got one of those big sparkler things. Ah, okay. Crisis okay. averted. Happy. I'm not singing. Maybe it's Phil Bauhaus. I think it's his birthday today. It is. Happy birthday, Phil Bauhaus. Well, or possibly yesterday. We're not sure. A man and today. also an architectural movement. <laughs> Kate doesn't get here for the third week here. <laughs> We were saving all the architectural chat till then. Well, she would have hated that, so it's fine. <laughs> I think she would have liked it. See you uh, all in Clermont-Ferrand. Yeah, we, we are going to come to you from Clermont-Ferrand tomorrow. And the next uh, day, and the next day, and the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really weird tour route. We, uh, we, we literally we sit in Clermont-Ferrand for like four or five days coming up. And it's not, if I, if I am being completely honest, it's not where I would pick to sit for four or five days, but maybe it's going to surprise us. I'm excited to make some more friends in Clermy F. Clermy F. Can't wait. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the Escape Collective Tour Daily. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for giving us great ratings on iTunes. We have a 5.0 on iTunes. Don't say that now. That just didn't, that inspires. <laughs> right. Behavior. I'll tell them what I really think. <laughs> No, more fives. We want all fives. You, you, we've said this before. You can write whatever you want. Yes, just make five. You can That's be genius. mean. You can be as mean as you want. You just had to put a five. I actually prefer it if you're mean. It's kind of funny. I need, some, <laughs> yeah. I need some more fire in my belly. I feel I'm like I've got a slow start to this tour. I'm really worried about the direction you've taken with these uh, custom ad reads <laughs> and negative reviews <laughs> in the last five minutes, Kaylee. <laughs> Say nice things. Tell us uh, deranged questions you want answered. Yeah. Yep. And give us a five star rating like and subscribe like and subscribe all right oh god thank you everybody can't think of anything else it's over